Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Safety in terms of running is uh, about a lot more than just looking both ways when crossing the road. If you fuel the body incorrectly, if you fail to listen to what your body is telling you or start mindlessly clocking miles, you can end your chances of ever reaching that finish line faster than you can say, does anybody know the number of a good physio? Today, Irish athletics legend, your coach and mine, Sonia Sullivan, breaks down the biggest dangers to your future as a runner, no matter what level you're at, and how to prevent them from knocking years off your running life. We also have news of our next event, our email of the week, and a new way to contact the show. But first, Sonia, you've made it to your new base at the Nike headquarters training facility in Beaverton, Oregon. In case you missed this last week, Sonia has moved from Australia to take on this new role, assistant coach Pete Julian, in the lead up to the Olympic trials. Sonia, what's it like and how was the journey? So, yeah, no, it's it, was, it wasn't bad. <laughs> the journey was pretty good. It was very smooth. The planes were not very full. They're relatively full, I suppose. And, um, yeah, it took under 24 hours. I slept a fair bit, so... You know, I, I must have because the time went by quickly and um, yeah I arrived in Oregon in Portland um, but then I were, because I had just come into the country I wasn't allowed to go to the um, the World Athletics track meet that was on in, in the new stadium for the world championships that will take place here next year so because of that you know so I couldn't travel to another city in the same state I was in but I could actually go back to the airport and catch a half hour flight to another state. No way. <laughs> Seattle. And um, come and visit my daughter, Sophie, who's at college here at the University of Washington. Um, oh, that yeah, must have that been amazing. Plane, that plane was jam-packed. Oh, my God. It was like... <laughs> so no quarantine hotel. I mean, we, we've obviously been through the experience of you being locked in for two weeks of quarantine in Australia. That's amazing that you came in from Australia and no quarantine hotel whatsoever. No mention of it. No, but I mean, Australia... And I came via New Zealand, so mm. they would be two of the safest countries in the world. Gotcha. You know, if you were, you know, to have an A-list country, they would be them. Mm. But uh, I'm not sure they, you know, they say, you know, to walk, look after your health for the first 14 days and be aware of how you're feeling and, you know, to be of any symptoms or anything like that. And But, you know, it's like mask mandatory over here. Like, you don't even <laughs> try not to wear it, you know. Really? It's, like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen, you know, I've been in Ireland, England, Spain, Australia, and I have never been anywhere yet in the past year where masks are worn so diligently by everybody. Really? 
Oh, well, that's good to know. I have to say yeah. that's good to know because I've, I, I've been watching, obviously, NBA games and various different things and there is there's certain certain stadiums that have been full of 80,000 people and not a mask in sight. I was thinking of the... Well, the, I think it is different, I think, in different states too, mm. maybe. Yeah, but it seems on the West Coast here they seem to be fairly, what, I suppose, listening to the messages and, you know, being fairly diligent about it. So, so the deal is that you are to help these athletes attain their qualifying times for the Olympics, is that correct? Well, to assist with the training and the guidance of the athletes in the preparation for most of them for the U.S. Olympic trials that will take place in June in Eugene, Oregon. And then for some of the athletes like Jessica Hull from Australia, so she's already qualified. So she'll just be training to get fitter and to, you know, improve her. She hasn't run any races yet this outdoor season, so she'll be doing a few races and the same, there's a girl from Germany, Constance Klosterhofen. She'll be coming training as well at some point. She's in Germany at the moment. Yeah, so mainly I'll be supervising the track sessions. And then we'll be going to a training camp next week in Park City, Utah. And so that will be a lot of time together where, you know, you'll be around each other a lot and you know, just, I suppose, helping each other out through the training, but then also the recovery in between the training and making sure that everybody's on top of things. It's, um, it's so And really cool. just having someone there, you know, to <laughs> monitor the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so, it's so, uh, like, uh, I just think it's such a brilliant, it's so brilliant. It's such a, a, a twist in our story here on the podcast as well. I've had so many messages from people who are really excited to follow this kind of new chapter in in our journey together. Because so the beginning of our chats was taking place uh, and you coming to Ireland, then you going back to Australia. And here we are with this twist in the story. And who knows what this could produce and what you're going to get to see in the time. But speaking of qualifying times, our friend an Irishman running abroad legend Aoife Cook qualified for the Tokyo Olympics this weekend with a time of 2 hours 28 minutes 36 seconds in Wrexham I think big shout out to Aoife I even sent her a message to see if maybe she'd jump on a call today to just uh, chat it through but unfortunately her flight is actually taking taking off at this moment but massive congratulations to Aoife you must have been so delighted Sonia Oh, absolutely fantastic. You know, it's it's strange, you know, when you change time zones, you kind of lose track of everything that's going on. Um, so I was, I kind of forgot the time when it was on, but I was just, when I saw the results popping up, um, I was so excited, you know, because I know how much effort and time she's put into this, you know, this time last year, you know, coming back from Kenya and then all the races being cancelled. And then for her to be able to, you know, continue throughout all of last year without any races and then get herself back and, you know, running, I think, maybe four minutes faster than she's ever run before. And, you know, she just committed to the target time and went for it and she won the race as well. So um, that was an absolutely amazing experience for her, a very different type of marathon to run, but, you know, very I suppose, planned out that you could visualize it in your head, you know, exactly where you at, were at. And she was on pace most of the time. She said it just got difficult the last lap. But, you know, then she's in the point of like, you know, this is it. You know, I, I can't let go now. It's, you know, you're just hanging on. 
and um, she got herself there. So absolutely amazing. And, you know, all of her friends and family and club mates in Cork, everyone is so excited because they know, you know, where she's been. And mm, the you know, journey is unbelievable. The whole journey of, you know, from when she went to college in America and, you know, coming back and having time off and then, you know, renewing her love for running and then, you know, following her Olympic dream and achieving it is absolutely amazing. It's it's, it's Hollywood stuff. Like it, it like I, I really think it's got to whatever happens for Aoife Cook from here. I will buy the book, Aoife, if you write it. I, I think every runner listening to this will also, too. But speaking of shout outs, the Irishman Abroad live line is now open. Talk to Jar on 1850 715 815. Get in touch with us on WhatsApp. We'd love to get your questions, stories and feedback as voice notes anywhere in the world. Get in touch with us. 0044 It doesn't trip off the tongue, Sonia, but it is a great way for people to get in touch uh, with us directly. And we'll play your voice notes on the show. Like Seamus McAteer, who got in touch, will play Seamus's voice note here. Morning, Sonia and Charles. Great show as always. Great performances by Aoife. But question for Sonia. Any encouraging words from a fellow Stabon person, Amory McLean, who unfortunately missed out four seconds on the Olympic qualifying standard. Just very heartbreaking for her. Anne-Marie Madeline is who he's talking about, Northern Ireland-based athlete, of course, who missed out, Sonia, the other side of this, missed out on the Olympic marathon mark qualifying time by four seconds. I mean, can you... It's a great question by Seamus. Like, what do you say to her in that moment? Like, the disappointment must just be crippling. I know, it's heartbreaking. You know, it really is... You know, I think people would feel for her more because of the distance and the fact that it's the marathon. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there's people who miss out by less time in shorter distances. But I think the marathon just connects with so many people who would have, you know, witnessed her journey as well along the way to this. And she's improved so much. Yeah, she's 41 years old. Yeah. And but, you know, it's just evidence of, you know, the standards have improved so much. And it's like as if the whole wave of times in races across the board has just kind of shifted up a level. And, you know, she's shifted up as well and improved her own personal best by so much. But because of that, like any other Olympic year, she would have gone to the Olympics. And, you know, she would have been on the team. But unfortunately, this year, because so many people have qualified there's no roll down effect so no mm. in many events you know they will take so so many people who have the actual time and then they'll roll down and fill the field but the marathon had a quota of 80 and there's for men and 80 for women who achieved the time mm-hmm. and then if if not if 80 didn't achieve it then they would invite you know the next few in who would be a few seconds off the time maybe but because so many people have achieved the time there's way over 100 men and women already qualified so there's no roll down effect so it doesn't matter how close you are to the time it's it's impossible and it's you know it is heartbreaking you know to to do so well Mm. and improve you know your your time so well and then to just miss out like that yeah well hopefully let's just touch wood 
something comes off for Ashling or something takes place to to get her there or to Anne get Marie. her and sorry Anne Marie yeah. uh, in onto that list and onto that plane to Tokyo. Well, I think she she'd probably be looking more at maybe the Commonwealth Games next year, maybe for Northern Ireland, and mm. um, the World Championships maybe in Eugene next year. I think she's got to look, you know, to what's coming next. Right. Because okay, that'd be your advice. Yep. Yeah, and I'll just stay positive and and to be you know proud of her achievement because she did fantastic and you know she's you know moved up on the Irish all time list to I don't know where but she's definitely in there and like well into the top ten. Um, so it just shows you know the standards are improving all the time and yeah I mean she's just an inspiration to many people out there to you know no matter what your age to keep on going keep on trying and you know you can only do your best. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, that that's what a lot of us are living through at the moment, myself included. And we'll get to my meeting with the physio Kieran, uh, Kieran Cummins here in St. Albans, who broke the news to me about what the hell is going on with me and my legs. Uh, y- you know, your week has been way more eventful than that. Running around the Nike campus, the Ronaldo field, the Michael Johnson tracks on you. I was looking at your Strava map going, oh my God, I would kill to be there. Is it as uh, is it as NASA-like as you remember it? Or what's what's the vibe there? Is it Or is it a ghost town? It's a ghost town. Yeah, it really is. And and that really takes away from it. Oh. So the excitement is in looking at the map afterwards and where <laughs> you've been and what it looks like. You know, for me, I was I was excited to go over there because the last time I was out here was 1998. And that was before the track even existed. Mm. Um, and a lot of the trails around didn't exist either. So I was excited to just go and try and find what was out there. Um, but it was also in a bit of a daze because I had just arrived, so I wasn't kind of tuned into the whole thing. <laughs> mm, the jet lag must have been killing you. <laughs> yeah, so for me it was just, you know, getting out there, getting a bit of fresh air and waking myself up. But, yeah, no, it, it was so eerie that there was no people around. The car parks were all empty. The only people I saw when I went out at about 7 o'clock in the morning were the grounds people, and the grounds are amazing. The gardens are, you know, so well kept. But there were so many people out there, you know, cutting the grass and pruning the plants and stuff. And in this, in Ron- it was amazing, in Ronaldo Field, like it's beautiful. It's 560 metres around, very smooth grass. Like mm. I've been telling you to run on the grass. This <laughs> yeah. is absolutely perfect. But there's a fella out there and he's in a steamroller. And no. he's going up and down in the steamroller at seven in the morning, you know. <sighs> maintaining this grass and so then I went back to where I was staying and I had to come back a couple of hours later to meet a few of the girls in the team and they were doing a run around the field they were doing a fart like session and your man is still going up and down in the steamroller (laughs) what is the purpose of the steamroller is that literally just to get the lines the way they want them I don't know I think just smoothing out the ground wow I mean I don't know, does he do it once a month or once a week? I'll have to <laughs> keep to monitoring stop him on it. But I was, you know the way you get like fascinated by something? It yeah. just fell in the steamroller. I'd never <laughs> seen it. And, you know, we all know these fields that we run around and, you know, they can be a bit bumpy here and there. Mm. There's the answer there. Steamroller. <laughs> the steamroller going. The Nike steamroller. <laughs> 
Um, you also bumped into somebody from your past, I believe. Anita Philpot, now McSweeney. Is this someone that is like, a, was that like a, a complete blast from the past or was this a planned meetup? No, no, it was, this is unbelievable. You love this story. So um, I'm staying with a friend in, this is in Seattle now where I'm up visiting Sophie and I'm staying on a place called Mercer Island which is, it's, I suppose, it's weird. It's like an island in the lake here, hmm. Mont Lake. And it's 13 miles around the island. And you come onto it, you go through a tunnel and you go on a floating bridge. But it's not an island like you'd imagine in Ireland. You don't, you don't feel like you're on an island. Yeah. I don't know, like I was thinking about this last night. It's about the same size as Cove, the great island. But you don't get the sense that you're on an island here. Weird. Um, but anyway... We're on this island, and um, I, we were going out for a run the other night. And um, I actually knew that Anita lived here. And I even knew which house she lived in, because <laughs> which is, it's like I'm stalking her <laughs> yeah. now. It's like, how did you know that? <laughs> uh, well, because on St. Patrick's Day, she had all these little kind of things in her garden. You know, this is St. Patrick's Day, green leprechauns and whatnot out <laughs> in the garden. And she posted on Facebook and said she was on and I knew she was on Mercer Island and then my friend Marisha I knew she was on Mercer Island so I said do you know have you seen this house and she's like oh my god I drive out that house every day <laughs> <laughs> a weird coincidence so to go to the running trail on what do we go Saturday evening we're running around the corner running past Anita's house with all these trinkets and things like fairies and leprechauns under her tree and Mary just said this is her house here and I'm like oh my god there she is <laughs> and Anita was walking across the road she'd have to go into her letterbox was across the road so she's gone to pick up the mail and I go Anita <laughs> and she looked up and it was like she'd seen a ghost she couldn't believe it it was so funny oh wow and you had competed and against her at schoolgirl level She'd um, not seen yeah, you in years. And not, we'd met about five, six years ago in Cove. I had a fun run and her coach way back in the 80s was Father Liam Kelleher, who was, has always been a running coach down through the years. So he now is a retired priest in Cove. So he was a priest in Cove for a few years. Now he's retired. So I see him all the time when I'm at home. And he brought Anita down to the run we had in Cove in 2015 to mark 20 years since the World Championships in 1995. So that was the last time I saw Anita, but it was very brief because, you know, there was an event on and, you know, when there's an event on, it's always hard to stop and talk to people properly. So then I said to Anita, listen, we're going for a run. I'll catch up with you, you know, in the next 24 hours, we'll meet up and we'll have a chat. And so then when I was here yesterday evening and I said, I'm here now, <laughs> do you want to meet up? And so we went for a walk around the block and had a good chat and a catch up and took a photo, of course, and to share so that Father Liam would see it because we know he'd love it. Um, Lovely. So, yeah, no, it was brilliant. Yeah. And Lovely. just to, you know, catch up on where we'd both, you know, been over the past, you know, because like 30 years, you know, apart from, you know, a brief meeting a few years ago. And because Anita went to college in America as well. She went to Providence University and we ran against each other there. 
So there was a lot to catch up on and, yeah, really nice. Lovely. Well, we we will get to how you managed to talk your way into getting vaccinated. I just think this is the most Irish thing I've ever heard in my life, that you rocked up to a vaccine centre in America and managed to blag yourself a vaccine, something that most Irish people would kill for right now back home. But we'll, we'll hear that story uh, towards the end of the show. But honestly... This thing of danger and the the stuff that can actually curtail your running is is frightening to me. And it's much more so than, you know, we had the niggly episode about the uh, the injuries that could be serious and that, oh, I don't know. And that one, as we said, left me clutching uh, all parts of my body. This one makes me much more aware of, look, when you sent across the notes, mo- mobility, fueling, listening to your body and running safely in your surroundings, I think it ju- you just need to kind of turn yourself on to these things. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sonia. These things really matter and that if you want to run for a long time, you will listen up. Yeah, I mean, I think we all pick up little things along the way that kind of give us extra life in our running. You know, they give us... I suppose they help you to recover and then you come out and you feel like you've you've, you've renewed yourself, you know, mm. or recharged yourself so that you haven't worn yourself out totally because you can go down the track of every run you do kind of wears you down a little bit more. Yeah. And that's really where you have to be aware of, you know, wearing yourself down and taking, you know, a break, a time off, an easy run or, you know, helping yourself to recover and we've talked lots about recovery before and you know how you can renew i suppose the the energy and the kind of um ability of your run your 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 body to get out there and you know stand up and line up and go for a run every day and you know and especially the days when you're expecting to run a bit faster you know in a session let alone in a race you know when you really have to kind of get yourself the adrenaline up and the energy and um put yourself on the line to get the best out of yourself and you know at times when sometimes you might question yourself but somehow you manage to do it because of little things that you kind of you know you believe in and they allow you to get out there and do it and whether it's you know the sleep that you get at night um, I didn't get very much sleep last night so today now wouldn't be a good day for me to go out you know flying around for a run I today is a day where I would definitely have to be aware that I'm quite tired and I shouldn't really push myself too much. And as much as it would be good to go for a little run for a bit of fresh air and to sometimes you just need it to kind of wake yourself up a little bit Mm. to just feel good about yourself. But it would definitely will be a very casual run today. There'd be no expectation or pressure on time or pace or um, distance. So I think just to be aware of your body and listening to your body and to, to react to that when you can because sometimes we can get trapped into oh but it says on the training program that I need to do 10 miles today or Mm. I need to do a session today and sometimes you might need to put it off or you know I'm a bit sore now today do I continue just because it says it on the piece of paper and because I want to fill in my diary and you know have a week full of you know 60 kilometers a week or yeah. 70 or 80 or whatever it is. I mean, I've definitely and that's what you would have experienced, yeah, I think. Yeah, recently. no, I hear yeah. it. And I, I fully think that there's going to be a lot of listeners nodding their heads going, 
yeah, am I doing this run so that the number can be nice and round at the end of the week so that the graph just keeps going up? Or am I doing it because it feels like what I need? You know, it is a tough one to straddle, though, isn't it? Because on the one hand, if you're a newish runner like me, your body isn't when you say listen to your body my body talks a lot of shit like my body says things like let's have some Kimberly Mikados and <laughs> forget about doing anything <laughs> but like I do, I, a lot of the time I'm trying to ignore the things my body says because straight away if I went out the, the warm up that you know you, you've eventually got me doing was something that my mind resisted for a long time and that sometimes Sonia your mind isn't isn't the most reliable uh, guide you like when you say listen to your body are you just tuning in like do you kind of shut off your mind to try and get closer to well what what are my legs hips and back telling me well I think what happens is if you go out for a run and you haven't prepared yourself as you should and you've you know you've we all have little aches and pains and quirky bits that need more warming up. But then we also sometimes have to, a bit short on time, so we have to rush out the door. Mm. And then you go out for the run and it takes you a bit longer to warm up or you have this nagging pain and you're kind of thinking, oh, I should have done that exercise before I came out. Mm. And sometimes when that happens, you should actually stop and do the exercise. And, you know, instead of like pushing on and just getting through it, you're as well to stop and stretch by a park bench or on a park bench or using a park bench, you know, just use the street furniture to help you along. Yeah. Um, and not worry about, you know, stopping for a few minutes and getting yourself ready um, rather than putting it off. Because I, I know there's oftentimes I'd be out for a run and you'd think, oh, I didn't do that quite right. So, you know, I should have done it differently. And you have to nearly, you nearly have to write it down to remind yourself that, mm. I must do this now and it'll be a better run. And, you know, a lot for me would be, you know, around waking up your glutes and your hamstrings and your quads. And that's where sometimes, you know, in the middle of a run, I would have to stop and stretch a little bit. Really? And sometimes you feel a bit stupid doing it, you know, because you kind of think, why didn't I do this before? And now I've got to stop my watch here and have a break. And but sometimes you can take a natural break if you're at a traffic light or something like that and, you know, do a few stretches there. And then go across the road and, and then continue on. You know, you don't have to just stop because the traffic light's gone green. But, you know, finish up what you started on the other side of the road so that you're ready to, to run again. Yeah, I mean, that this is this is really good stuff, I'll be honest with you, because I think most of us can remember a run where uh, somebody rings you or your shoe becomes untied and you stop. You have to deal with the thing or... And you go again after a little bit of a stretchy just that's been forced upon you. And I, I, I've been like, oh, the time and the, the fluency of the run just went through the roof. It's so funny that you have some sort of rules in your head that you properly just made up that like, oh, no, I can't stop running or it doesn't count as a run. Those kind of rules are you know, properly floor is lava type rules that, that like... Well, there's one. Yeah. I have a good one here for you. Like, I mean, I don't know if you ever come across this or what you think about this, but when you see people at the traffic lights jogging on the spot, mm. now, would you do that or do you stop? <laughs> I, I fully stop the watch. 
because I don't want to keep it going and ruin my pace. What yeah, no, do? I do as well. Yeah. No, I stop my watch as well. But I think maybe before Garmin and Strava, when people weren't worried about the pace, mm, they, were they kept running more. Up. Yeah. Yeah, because they just want, I don't know, they just didn't want to stop the running motion. But it looks kind of silly, I think. So it's, I think it's better to, so anyone out there now, they'll all be complaining and saying, they'll have reasons why they're doing it and that'll be their rules. Yeah. Um, oh, but yeah, definitely. I think, I think it's a good opportunity. It's a natural break, I find. And, and it's an opportunity to stretch out, you know, if you get the chance. Yeah, I, I've actually said that to a few people that Sonia says. And I know loads of people that listen to this show go, they wreck their heads of their partner by saying, Sonia says. <laughs> and, but I do say it to <laughs> Tina that like when you get stopped at lights, Sonia says, that's the universe telling you, you can have a break now for 30 seconds at these lights. If the universe wanted you to keep going, it would have made no traffic here at all. You would have whizzed across the road. I want to get on to the fueling side of this because, you, you know, the uh, you don't think of poor fueling as a, as a danger to your running. Um, but you have it in the list here and you were quite adamant that that has to be part of this. Why is that? Well, I think it's, well, it's different fueling for different days. So if you know that you're going to go out for a big long run tomorrow then you want to make sure you have enough energy in you to you know get you through it without struggling and you don't want to be getting to the point where you're feeling depleted so you'd be a bit more conscious of you know having a good a bit of carbohydrate i suppose a bit like you know getting ready for a long race the night before the night before okay the night before you'd be making sure you had some a decent amount of carbohydrate in in your dinner that night you know you wouldn't be thinking about it as much as if you were running a marathon but you just be in the back of your head. You know the way you, you divide up your plate into protein, carbohydrates and fats. And mm-hmm. you just make sure you had enough in there. Because some days you might eat lighter, I think. And the same would be after a hard session or a long run, is that you'd make sure that you eat well immediately after. But then that night for dinner, because you've eaten up so well at lunchtime, you might have less. And you might have less carbohydrates because you've had a whole stack of them like breakfast and lunch or brunch or whatever it is you're having. So then you might go heavy on the, the the vegetables that night and, you know, a bit of fish or a bit of steak or something to, or, you know, beans or whatever it is you're having. Mm, well, this one, um, I, this one does hit home with me because I think I had gotten into the habit of coming home, getting cooled down in the shower, get dressed, then, you know, suddenly, you know, Mikey's after me for something. And I realized that if I wasn't fueling as soon as I came back and (laughs) this is again a Tina story where she was like, you're in the worst mood since you went running. I don't think this is going to be doable long term. And really, we just realized that if we didn't refill that tank quick when it came in the door, that that your mood and just you as a person to be around is more difficult. Uh, is that just me or is that a thing? No, that's everybody. What do they call it? Hangry, is it? Yeah, I think when you're hungry one. and you're angry. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but no, it's definitely, and it's really, I suppose, you know, if you're running or, you know, whatever sports you're doing, if you've been out and you've put in a big hard effort and you come in and you don't fuel up quick enough, you're just getting, you're just worn down mm. and you can't cope, you can't do anything. So the sooner you can get food into you and whether that's, you know, solid food or drinks, then the better mood you'll be in and you'll be a happier person and then you'll be able to appreciate what you've done 
and you won't be bothered by anyone around you asking you to do something or to go somewhere because you'll be ready for it. Yeah. So, you know, it's like you have to you've 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 depleted yourself to an extent and both mentally and physically. So you have to put in a big effort to reset yourself and to you know if you can visualize it you're topping yourself back up again mm. so that the tank is full like if you're in the car you know you're bringing that little little thing the little needle across and you're bringing it up close to full again you don't want to be getting too close to empty when you know you're out driving and it's getting close to empty and you're panicking a bit and you're stressing so you it's the same in your body you start to panic and stress if you don't have that fuel inside you and you know it just takes over because it's it's uncontrollable when you're hungry that that's a you great know, way to visualize you, how, it. Yeah. How you react. Yeah, um, that's definitely, I think that that as a visualization technique is going to work. Uh, like, kind of not really picturing the, the tank, really. And I, I think the needle is, is something that, you know, we all need to monitor because usually if somebody's in, a, if your child's in a bad mood, it's usually because they need a snack or a lie down, one or the other. I want to get on to our awareness of our surroundings when we're running as a danger. As I said at the top of the show, that's not the number one thing here when we talk about the danger to you, to your running. But before we get on to it, I should say a big shout out to Kieran Cummins, the physio that I saw here. Kieran Cummins sounds like such an Irish lad. He is 100% Irish. He's of Irish blood and heritage. Both parents, one from Kilkenny, one from Sligo, lives in here in St Albans. Went to see him on Friday, Sonia. Full work up, full, what would you call it, assessment, where he... he MOT is it? Yeah, he MOT. climbed on top of me and <laughs> moved my legs around in ways that what I. Do they call, what do they call it in Ireland? Is it an MOT in England? Is it in Ireland? Yeah, or what's it called in Ireland? How do I not know what this is called? Your, you know, because people panic about that. I think, don't yeah, they? And and they you might can fail watch it. your car going through. Yeah, Tina wasn't at the window watching the car, cheering <laughs> <laughs> me on. No, I was in there, and uh, you know, look, there were moments that I wasn't particularly happy uh, because, as I've said before, I had a very strange hip issue for a while and here and gave that a bit of a tweak. Let's be honest, a physio has to see where the legs will and won't go. And sometimes I guess, Sonny, you do walk out of there a little bit sore than you did coming in. He gave me a good deep L rub, the one, like you said, a towel biter of a rub into the ankle that was sore. And at the end of it, he even filmed his diagnosis, which I thought was brilliant because, as you know, you go into these places and you remember about 10% what they said to you. And usually it's the stuff that you wanted to hear. That's the stuff that you'll remember. And the bits that you didn't, you kind of filter out and go, oh, sure, we'll worry about that somewhere else. The, the diagnosis to me sounds serious, but I guess you're not a runner until you've had some kind of Greek name thing wrong with you tibialis anterior tendinopathy i would love to know if any listeners have had this because apparently it's more of an old person thing to have wrong with you it's a it's a caused by a gradual onset of pain within the tibialis anterior tendon as it crosses the front of the ankle in case you can't tell i'm reading this off the internet this pain may initially only be painful after exercise a stiffness may also be felt in the front of the ankle and joint but i was amazed on you that like he got to this like here i am going in with the shin splint as i thought it was which i know shin splint is a 
kind of an umbrella term for sore shins. But he got to this very quick. I would say within a minute, he was like, yeah, this is what you got. And he related it to, I guess, the thing that you mentioned at the top here, your mobility and uh, tightness in my calves and poor mobility in that ankle that's being, uh, you know, offset and forcing the shins to, to work harder than they should. Have you ever heard of it? I have. I have heard of it. I haven't had it, but um, yeah, I've definitely heard of it. Did he give you a solution? Yeah, I mean, there is this. This is a concern, right, that sometimes I don't know if you ever get this feeling. And I'm not saying that this is Karen, that there's a let's get you booked in for four more uh, meetings. And I'm like, how's about we just give me the answer and I'll go away and work on it. But I get what he's doing is he's like, this week you need to try and get your calves and tendons loosened out. So it seems like the steps... He's giving you some homework. Some homework to do. He even told me to stay away from the foam roller. He said, get the broom handle, get the handle of a broom or a brush and rub that down my shins and calves, which I like. Again, listeners, if you've ever heard of this being done, uh, he was like, you're going to get a much better stretch out here doing this. So he has his own little broomstick there and he, he shows me how it's done. Have you ever heard of that, Sonia? Um, no, but there is a thing called the stick. I don't know if you're... That it's a kind of a... It's like a foam roller, but it's a stick. It's a stick. It's got handles... It's, it's got, <laughs> is that like drink, is it? Yeah, stick. drink. Drink last week. The stick this week. Get the stick and rub the stick uh, down the front of your leg. And I did feel... I think a stick... A stick probably has a bit more foam or padding on it, you know, because mm. I can't imagine... a broom handle going down your shin being it's too comfortable pretty sore and yeah <laughs> pretty sore and I, I can i can relate to this now because only because when i was packing up and tidying and sorting recently i can remember seeing one of these sticks back home in melbourne that sophie must have left behind and i was looking at it like hmm i wonder will that ever travel or will that just stay here now for another while it's like one of these things that you collect you know yeah. these many kind of tools that you have to try and fix things. Absolutely. Um, and I, it's so have, funny, you used I broom, it. have you used the broom handle? Yeah, no, you know you what? I, I, I had bought a shtick the, the week before, which is weird. Like the, the, <laughs> the, physio, the physio shtick has uh, rollers on it. So if, if, if the listeners are thinking about this, and I liked this thing, that was the annoying thing. I spent the tenner on it on Amazon. <laughs> the physio shtick has a roll. It's like a rolling pin for your muscles. So you don't actually lie on the floor. You sit there watching telly with one knee tucked up towards you and you just roll away there and it was great I was loving it I was feeling great after it uh, but the uh, the actual uh, broomstick yeah I mean it is it it works right in there but one of the things that I couldn't do was and he he said there's a you know a dead giveaway that you're you're tight in here in your ankles is that I couldn't actually kneel down I know this is a problem for a lot of men can't kneel and sit back on my ankles with, with your feet kind of yeah flexed behind you yeah so. yeah that's a good one that's really good i actually did that myself the other day yeah um, because i have a thing in my ankle as well and i've been trying to loosen it up a bit and i was doing this the other day and if you're in a 
if you've got nice carpet, mm. it's great. Mm. It's hard on a wooden floor. It's it, impossible nearly. It is. <laughs> it is. It does. It feels like you're doing a penance of some sort. But uh, the last three days I have been following Kieran's directions and I'm sure I'll get there because it's loosening up bit by bit. Uh, I did a little uh, joggy walky thing around the pitch and I've been up and around on the bike. But I'll tell you what, and it does bring a, bring us back to the awareness of your surroundings. I, I am I am a lot more scared on my bike than I would be out running because I've had friends who've been wiped off their bike and not you know and not made it out the like they've just a driver on their phone get off your phone if you're on your phone right now listening to this in a car you know this these accidents happen and I just feel so fragile out there when it comes to running, though, there's there's something I think that I probably am a little too I've a bit too much bravado in terms of, oh, I'll be grand. And I think you mentioned it before that you think to yourself, well, well, I'll run if anyone comes up to me or if anything happens, I'll, I'll be I'll be faster than that person. What would your advice be to people on this one of consciousness of your surroundings and why it's so important that we we consciously think about this right now? Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, would be conscious of their own surroundings and, you know, near where they live. And I mean, I would think of something like this, even, you know, last week when I arrived in Oregon and I'm in a new place, never been here before. And you look at the map and where you're going to go for a run, but you're not, you know, it's it's a little bit easier for people now because you can throw it into Google Maps and you can, mm. you know, bring your phone along and stick your earpods in your ears and it'll direct you to where you're going Mm. or you can stop and take your phone out and find your bearings but you still don't really know your surroundings and the neighborhood I suppose and where you're going to but you have to trust the people who you know I suppose put you where you are (laughs) they say it's a safe it's a safe neighborhood (laughs) and you're you're you know so you know I suppose I put my faith in you know I'm in a safe neighborhood. I'm fine. I don't even think about it. I don't think twice about it and just head out for a run. Um, and of course, I had an idea where I was going and I was going to Nike campus and, you know, there's a trail there. So that's no problem. Um, but like I never go out for a run thinking, oh, I must bring my phone here now because I have to stop and call someone because it would be the slowest thing to do if I had to ever use my phone. Because first of all, You'd have to get it out of your little pouch in the back, which is always difficult. Mm. Unlock it. And then who do you call? You know, so I don't know. Is there people out there who bring their phone for this very reason? I bring mine only because I'm listening to a podcast. If I'm not listening to a podcast, I don't bring my phone. Um, Or if I don't need, if I'm not afraid, I'm going to get lost. But I think, I suppose you're just aware of where you're going and people that are around and and that's the thing with wearing headphones. Like if I go for a run, I generally only wear one headphone right. so that I am aware of what's going on around me. That's a good show. And I think that's great, you know, with the Bluetooth headphones that you can have one in. And if you turn your phone up full blast, it's loud enough. Mm. You know, it's like you're having a chat with somebody then. You know, you've got one ear open and you've got one tuned in. And what would your, like, I guess there is a, there is a consciousness with bringing the phone especially in built up areas that you can be mugged. I mean, there is that. I'm obviously on the Apple Watch, 
So I can ring people from the, the, the watch itself. I can also be contacted. But, you know, we do need to talk about what took place seven days ago. We lost Gillian Ryan, a, you know, a bright shining light of optimism and good, positive energy in the Irishman running abroad club who probably doled out more kudos than anyone I knew of and was forever willing me and so many other members forward. And from what I can tell, Sonia, that's the person she was, that everywhere she went, she radiated optimism, hope, good vibes and just a willingness to help people at every turn. It was a really, really sad loss and it shook me to my core. I know it did the same to you. Yeah, it was definitely one of those kind of stop you in your tracks moment and kind of you just couldn't believe it and you couldn't really work it out. Something that, you know, does make you think about where you're going for a run, particularly, you know, if you're on holidays and there's a nice park or a nice place to go for a run a trail you don't you're not really aware of the surface or you know anything about it and Mm. you just go out and run and I'm sure this is what Gillian did she just loved running and she put up a picture a couple of days before you know a beautiful day you know she couldn't be happier there was nothing she would rather be doing um you know it's the last thing you think about when you go out for a run Mm. so yeah I do, it was definitely a reminder to a lot of people because I know that Gillian she touched so many people in our running group and that just shows you know the to be able to make that connection virtually with so many people all around the world mm. is something really really special um, and something you know that we all need to protect amongst ourselves and to kind of I don't know, I I suppose take seriously when we go for a run in a remote place and we feel invincible. You know, I often, I know when people go hiking, if you're out running in, you know, pretty rugged terrain, you see people hiking and they'll have all the gear on. And then we might all rock up if you're with some people and you're going for a run and, you you know, you're just wearing shorts and singlet. And, you know, you kind of think, well, that's what I wear when I go for a run. Mm. Yeah, but when you're in the mountains you know the weather can change so quickly that you know you you need to be prepared a little bit and i know when people go on trail runs you know long trail runs i've seen this in australia and you know you have to carry a jacket and you have to carry um a drink bottle Mm. um you know before you're allowed to start the run and you know people who run you know on regular streets and tracks they don't know this. It's only the trail running community and the mountain running community would be aware of these kind of things that, you know, we should all be aware of. Yeah. And, you know, in be encouraging of rather than kind of thinking, I don't need that. Um, because we do. And we do need to be aware of our surroundings and surfaces and, and, you know, telling people where you're going and when you're due to be back is, is really important. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I would imagine that this is exactly what Gillian would want to share with people if she could uh, after this event. But there wasn't anything that could be done 
to help her. Uh, such was the incident that took place. The mountain rescue team that returned her to her family did an unbelievable job. And the family have set up uh, an a fundraiser on gofundme.ie so ie.gofundme.com for the southeastern mountain rescue on behalf of Julian. their goal is to raise 10,000 euro and Sonia and I have decided to dedicate uh, a 5k run this Sunday uh, in support of this and in memory of Gillian just go to ie.gofundme.com and register uh, for our run on Strava you don't even have to just kick in some money over there but there's already nearly 200 people taking part in the run I've, I've said in the info to wear your most colourful gear Gillian loved colour and uh, wear, wear the the most bright colours you can and post the photos in the group and um you know, we'll, we'll send a Sonia badge and an Irishman abroad badge to uh, the best ones, but really do get out there and support the Southeastern Mountain Rescue on behalf of Gillian. And my thoughts and prayers are with uh, her and her family and her children. Uh, just unspeakably hard week for them and uh, for everyone who knew her, I know. Uh, I want to give another big shout out as well, Sonia, to. Terry Murphy, someone you know from Cove, is that right? You know Terry? I do. I know him well. <laughs> well, Terry sent sent me a lovely package during the week of two uh, Cove ten mile mugs. Now I haven't got my official oh, wow. ones. You got the mugs? Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't get my ones for this year now because uh, those. I realised that the it's been hard for the organisers to get all those out to everybody but Terry sent me ones from previous years which I don't even feel entitled to uh, Sonia I can't can't believe that I have these now in my possession but I also want to give another shout out to Paula Radcliffe who uh, speaking to Chris Evans this week Sonia explains that you were her inspiration for getting into the ice baths the ice baths that you've been pushing on me for for some time now we'll play this little clip of her talking to Chris Evans about hearing that the top dog in the business was doing these ice baths and that was what resulted in her giving it a go. Okay, so when I was thinking bar before Guinness and wine, you said ice bath. And that's the difference. Therein <laughs> lies the difference between Radcliffe and Evans. So tell us about the ice bath. So the ice bath, I started actually doing it at the World Championships in 1993, which were my first World Championships as a, as a senior athlete. And I was running 3000 meters and I learned from another girl on the team that Sonia O'Sullivan, who was the big favorite, um, always took an ice bath the night before a race. So I thought, right, I'm going to try it. So I did and I, I ran well and then I just carried on doing it ever since. And I always used it in training as a recovery tool from hard training sessions. Uh, and that really helps. But I actually found that it also helped to, to stimulate and at the same time also relax my muscles before I went to bed the night before a big race. So I did have a hot shower afterwards. So a cold bath and then a hot shower. Okay. How much of, how much of Wim Hof do you have in you? What's your longest time in the ice bath? Um, it's 10 to 15 minutes. Does it get any easier or is it always hard? It's easier if you keep a jumper on and take a cup of tea in with you. <laughs> Are you serious? Seriously, it's only the bottom half that needs to be iced. That's so funny. Oh, my God. That's amazing, you know, because when, when you sent me that clip, I thought that was from like years ago. 
you know, I thought, oh, this is an old clip. <laughs> no. He's found it somewhere now. Oh, no, no. This is only this week. This that is, is this amazing. This week, yeah. yeah. And she it... was talking about 1993. So, yeah. You know, thinking back, way back then. And, you know, I, I then I was trying to think, when was the first time I had an ice bat? And I can't really remember, but, you know, I would have picked it up from Frank O'Mara and Marcus O'Sullivan. Yeah. You know, it was one of the things that they did after the track meets. And, you know, I suppose we were in a group together and, you know, we, once one person did it, the other did it. And <laughs> there's pictures of Frank and Marcus both in the same bag together. <laughs> yes, I think I've seen bat, that you know? picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Said, that's, that's cheating. It's not cold enough. There's just two of you in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's very childlike. You don't, uh, you don't tend to jump into a bath like that. But they looked happy. Is Larry in that picture? Does it get easier, the ice bath? Like, do you, do you just get used to that shock that comes with oh. it? Well, I think you get a bit giddy, you know, because it's so it's hard work, but you have to you have to make some fun out of it. <laughs> you just it passes a bit of time, you know, to have a bit of a laugh about it together. Yeah. Um, I used to always have to have something to read with me when I went in there. And you'd have your sh- you'd have your your shorts on and, you know, you'd have a, a T-shirt or a jumper pulled up a bit so it didn't get wet. So, you know, it's like when you walk in the sea and you've got a big puffer jacket on top. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord. We're going to have to do it. We're going to have to make this part of uh, something. We'll we'll have a chat about it off air. But I feel like the ice bath has to happen this summer, especially now that uh, I'm on the road to recovery. Like for all the the stuff I've said about Kieran and, you know, my reluctance to to kind of accept that I can't run for a while, uh, which has been a challenge. I'll be honest with you, signing mentally. Uh, Big shout out to Jigsaw.ie, our chosen charity partner, the mental health charity in Ireland for young people. I have been on their website this week because just the resilience needed to be like, I I haven't getting the endorphins that I normally would from running. Uh, I have been low and just accepting that I'm not myself, I'm not feeling great, getting out on the bike and going, this will have to do for now is, you know, it's been helpful. But I, I, I get it. If you're listening to this now and you're going, I'm in the same boat. And I have had a lot of messages from people saying, I can't run either right now and it's killing me. What do you say to those people who are suffering through the impatience of going, I just want this fixed? Well, I think the one thing to think is that it's, you know, it's normal. It's normal to feel like that. And we all feel like that because, you know, any time that you're not running smoothly and getting the flow and the enjoyment out of it, it's hard work Mm -hmm. and it's no fun when it's hard work. So I think we're all searching for that time when we can run smoothly. And I think, you know, if you can't run, the big thing to do is to work out one, what you can do. And so you do something to replace it to a to a degree but then also to work on all the necessary things that you have to to fix yourself mm. and to you know be able to get back running and, and then when you do start back running to take it slowly and one step at a time gradually get back there rather than jumping straight back in and then you know ending up back in the same boat again so you really have to be very cautious and careful and gradually build up and then you start to appreciate it as you get yourself back up to the level where you were at and 100%. you know the main the main thing with all the other activities that you do in replacement of running is to just maintain some level of fitness 
so that you don't, you know, totally blow out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To I mean, start all over again. And that's the biggest fear that we all have is that losing the fitness. you've got yourself so fit. Yeah. That you don't want to throw it all away and have to start all over again. Definitely, definitely. But, you know, as I say, to bring up Gillian again, I'm extremely grateful this week. I'm just incredibly grateful that I even get the opportunity to recover, to have the, the chance to do this. And as I said in my Irish Times piece uh, about the passion for this thing and this community that we've created, it is special. It's a special thing. And it's it's so great to have all of you listening and to be in this together and just the amount of positive vibes that come with it. If you haven't signed up for the Strava group, strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman running abroad. Get down there because if you're sick of social media being a kind of cesspit of bad feeling and shouting, this is the antidote to that. And Gillian really was uh, kind of maybe the most active member of our group and an ambassador for it. I'm trying to remind myself of that every single day. Sonia, I can't wait to hear more as you meet these athletes. And we're all looking forward to this journey Big shout out to Sophie for uh, running your ragged this weekend with her energy. And um, <laughs> hopefully we'll get Sophie on for, for a chat one of these days. Brian Connolly is on production. John Marr does the extra research. As I said, Jigsaw.ie are our chosen charity partner. And the Irishman running abroad virtual 5K in memory of Gillian Ryan will take place on Sunday, May 2nd. And the GoFundMe page is there for the Southeastern Mountain Rescue on behalf of Gillian. Sonia, thanks so much. And I know it's mad early there right now. What time is it? Uh, well, we're past seven o'clock now. We're in normal normal time at this stage. So I'm, I'm wide awake now. <laughs> yeah. You started out quiet, it has to be said. I did out. start out quiet. And um, and I'm also, um, you know, I'm feeling good. We, we didn't, are we, can we mention the vaccine there we forgot oh, to uh, of course yeah yeah we'll we, we, we drop that Let's in there do yes. this, yeah so you went you went up to visit sophie she was heading in for the second vaccine and you were like i'll tag along yeah well you know i suppose it's a, it was an opportunity to do a, a mother and daughter thing you know to yeah, go yeah. to the to the clinic with my daughter who i hadn't sophie i haven't seen her for eight months and um Whoa. i was supposed to get a vaccine t- sunday in portland but because I came to Seattle, I was trying to cancel that and, you know, reschedule. And then there was a suggestion, well, why don't you just get it when you're up in Seattle? <laughs> and, um, so I just went in with her and when she was giving in her details and they called me over because, I, you know, just, you, if you're in the hospital, you must be there for a reason. Hmm. And they said, what's your, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> so... I said O'Sullivan and Sophie's at the other computer and she's hearing this and she's trying to say she's going to steal my spot (laughs) (laughs) so she's she's spitting out her date of birth quicker than I can get mine out and and she's gone in for the second one and then I'm trying to you know explain who I am and why I'm here and um, you know she said what's your phone number I said oh you won't find me in there I'm not I'm not in there but but she said oh we'll register you that'll be fine and (laughs) You know, I don't have a, an address or I couldn't remember my phone number. So I just gave them any, the address I knew um, of Sophie and a phone number. <laughs> and she said, oh, we might not be able to get you in today now. Um, could you come another day? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. Or one of our other clinics, no problem. And then I said, well, if someone 
and cancelled, would you be able to get bumped up maybe? Because I knew I was only here for a couple of days. Yeah. And then next thing she goes, oh, yeah, we can, you know, like in the airport when, you know, they're typing away behind the desk and yeah, you know yeah, yeah. what the hell is going on. And all this busyness is going on. And she goes, um, oh, yeah, we can probably put you in this morning. That's fine. Here, take this form, fill it in. Just like <laughs> that. That was it. I mean, this yeah. is going to wreck the head of every Irish person listening to this right now. Uh, uh, but that's and you know what's brilliant. even more amazing? What's even more amazing is it's the only time you'll ever get any piece of medical treatment for or, free in America. For free in America. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you need to do the Powerball lottery now this week, Sonia, because <laughs> that was pretty... It's pretty jammy. Uh, I'm delighted you got it. I, I, I always say this to people that there is a great buzz off having it. And when it when it does come to Ireland, when it's fully rolled out in the numbers that we've seen here and in America, just there is a wave of optimism. Do you feel it around there? There's a, there's a real kind of sense of, of uh, reclamation of life and normality. Yeah, I mean, people, I think, are they're feeling more confident. And even though everybody's wearing their masks, and, you know, being careful and keeping their distance. You know, it's amazing that this is similar all around the world. You know, you got the little stickers on the floor and yeah. X's that keep you apart. And, you know, people are doing that, you know, anywhere I've been. So it, it's great to see that. And, you know, I think that's probably something that's going to be with us for the rest of our life is that, mm. you know, we're not all going to be huddling together as we used to before. Yeah. You know, when you're in a queue, you're not going to be sitting on top of the person in front of you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Yeah, you know, and it's I think strange. people are they're aware of their space now. I think and and keeping the space. Mm. And um, there was a great one in Alaska Airlines. They had a sticker on the floor and it said, "Watch your wingspan." <laughs> so if you put your arms. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. That maybe that maybe that's how it's going to be. Uh, we, we'll look. We'll we'll definitely have to get this group together in person. I feel like it's it's uh, that day is getting nearer, and when it does arrive. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to obey the wingspan thing. I, I will definitely be offering some high fives <laughs> and hugs when that day arrives. Sonia, it's always such a pleasure to have these chats with you. Thank you so much. It's great to chat and have a great week and uh, take care of yourself. <laughs>